friends, and welcome to Pod Return to the Waking Sands. This is a weekly podcast and a weekly journey through the lore of Final Fantasy XIV. I'm Jen, and I'm joined by my co-host. I'm Levi, and this week, Jen, we're here to talk about the gladiator class in Final Fantasy XIV. Gladiator! Mount up. That's not how it goes. It's not how it goes. Close, though. Stay tuned in 20 weeks for our mount cast all about the mounts of... No, that's not true. That's a terrible (laughs) subject. That Um, would take 14 hours. So the Gladiator is one of the two tank classes in the base game, A Realm Reborn. The other one, of course, being the Marauder. Of course. And the Gladiator wields a sword and shield as their weapon. Classic. Gladiator is kind of weird in Final Fantasy because it is not a class that's appeared in any of the mainline Final Fantasy games. By that mean, like, there's no Gladiator in 4 or in 7 or 9 or, or whatever. Why do you think Gladiator shows up specifically? Is is there an allusion to this particular type of job in, in previous games? And they've introduced it formally here? It's appeared in some of the side games. There's, like, a version oh, of... like, of, Tactics or... Yeah, it's, it's in one of the Tactics games, I think. And there's, like, some sort of weird uh, second release of... Final Fantasy V that has Gladiator. So it's weird that they decided to pull that into this game when there's so many options to choose from. I also know that they, I mean, they did have a knight job. So why do you think that they call it Gladiator and not a knight with a sword and a shield? I mean, I I think honestly, knight would be a better pick for the job here. It's kind of a weird transitional class in general. And we don't see classes like this after we get past A Realm Reborn. Because in A Realm Reborn, every single class has a baby class that is a leveled down version of the actual job, the actual iconic job you get to after level 30. So for instance, you know, you have your gladiator, which becomes a paladin at level 30. You've got your marauder, which becomes a warrior at level 30. The thaumaturge becomes a black mage. And, and they have these kind of on-ramp classes for a realm reborn, which they never use again after the expansions come out. Every new class is just, here's your job, here you go. You get to be a red mage, there's no training period is being like a, a scarlet caster or something. Ugh, and, yeah. and there's a, a few things to say about that, I guess. One, you can see in, in the world, there are a lot of gladiators. There's a lot of, of lancers. There's a lot of marauders and so on. You know, they're, they're like the rank and file people. And the people with the actual jobs, there are very, there are far, are far fewer jobs in the world than classes. Like the paladins are an elite cast and black mage is only like one black mage or, or a couple black mages more on that later, which is, is you in this game, even though there's a, there's a pile of thaumaturges in the world. So it kind of it makes you more unique once you level up to your actual iconic job versus the base class. And then, of course, we fight piles of lancers and archers and so on as we go through the game. Right, and this, the rank and file. Exactly. And this game has a, a kind of a weird thing where it doesn't want you to be too cool until you level up some. You achieve great things. You have amazing adventures. But at the start, though, you come in as a lowly adventurer, and your class serves to reinforce what a scrub you are. It depends. It depends on the job you start with. I I think just because it's a video game, and of course, you're the main character, your uh, guild masters are going to be laying on the praise pretty pretty quickly. Yes, you're always exceptional at whatever you try and do in this game. Right. But it's still like the the game itself, not the not the people in it, but the game itself, kind of puts you in a a lowly position at the start. You've got to work up to it and earn it to, to really be... Right, and that and that makes the, the eventual acquisition of your job stone that much more satisfying. It feels satisfying. It feels like an accomplishment. 
And also, I think that A Realm of Warren had like a weird system where you used to be able to mix actions from different classes together. I have no idea. So uh, the gladiator, it is thematically appropriate for Uldah um, because you have this, the Colosseum in Uldah. And of course, this is uh, it's a moneyed city and they need their their blood sports. They're right. <laughs> it <laughs> in is the blood sands. It's a stereotype of a lot of desert cities like Uldah is to have an, some sort of arena type combat there. We get that a lot in fiction. That yeah, like Jabba's Palace. Or in the movie Gladiator, for instance, <laughs> you often see this in fiction where you have, you know, like a, a desert environment and like a, a dirty, sandy arena. And some fat jackass with uh, too many pinky rings, swirling a beverage and full of ennui. But true to form, Ulda also has a Colosseum too. It was founded, I think, centuries and centuries ago at this point in time. It, it was there to, to make money and make money it has. There's also a underground gambling setup around it as well it is not legal to bet on the arena but at the same time though everyone does it and we have everything from prisoners being thrown to wild animals roman style to actual like celebrity gladiators going at it yeah they've got contests they've got battles um, and people have their champions and this is how you can rise above you can make yourself a quote-unquote self-made man so as mentioned, the Gladiator is one of the two tank classes that you can start with here. When I first started playing this game, I had assumed that shield was a, an important part of tanking and that the Marauder class, for instance, would be more of like an off tank or something because they had more offense wielding a two-handed axe and less defense. However, that's not really the case here. No, it's really, they give you a little, a little something-something with your ranged attack. They call it a shield lob. You're literally throwing your shield. Well, sure, but your every it. tank gets a range attack too. So. Right? No, but that's how they incorporate the shield as a gladiator. Is oh, uh, you know what? Throw it. It does count for something mechanically as well. And for a paladin or a gladiator, you need to have a shield because part of your character's stats are on the shield. Right. Like the sword will be weaker than a two-handed weapon, but the shield makes up for the difference in terms of the stats it gives you. Also, there is a deflection mechanic where the shield has a chance to block attacks. However, this is extremely minor in the scheme of things. Hmm. Um, it would be nice, though, essentially that the, the Gladiator is an on-ramp to being a paladin, like I mentioned beforehand. None of the skills that you get are actually gladiatorial. It'd be nice to have something that actually makes them feel like a gladiator, like either some sort of flourish or other... Yeah, like a um, a wild yop or, or some other kind of war cry or um, um, a call, uh, an appeal to the crowd, something like that, that... That goes back to like the the, the the showmanship involved with the gladi- gladiator. Sure, either the, their stun could be flavored differently, so it's more of like a more of like a spectacle versus just like a shield bash or or whatever being a stun. And then like yeah. maybe there'd be some team support abilities like where you you know give a yup and inspire your comrades or or something similar. Oh, we we have great ideas. I want all of these incorporated, honestly, because like if you're if you're a brand new player and you're trying to figure out what do I want to be? Do I want to be a magic dealer? Do I want to be a, um, a tank? Whatever. So if you think, if you're drawn to gladiator, you're going to be disappointed. You think you know what a gladiator is. Right. I you, mean, you don't do any gladiator stuff. You should pick your class based on the future job it's going to turn into is what it comes down to because the base class will be dust in the wind by the time you, you clock some real hours in this game. Yes. However, if you hadn't told me that when I started playing... I wouldn't have known. 
Sure. It's it's surprisingly unfriendly for being such a beginner-friendly game. And that that's something that is is kind of hidden unless you unless you have somebody to say like, oh, is it? don't pick Gladiator unless you want to be a paladin because you're going to be a paladin for the rest of your life. Right. Like, ooh, thank you. Fuck paladins. Well, except Ew, that you can change <laughs> you can change jobs at level ten. Yeah. You, you, if fuck you, this. you don't like paladinship. I want I want a punch. Our characters start their gladiator journey in the Gladiator's Guild, which is in the, the inner ring of Uldah. The, the guild trains fighters for gladiatorial combat specifically. This is both in the combat arts and also in showmanship, though we missed that class, the showmanship class, apparently. Yeah, we don't get that. We slept through it. So the guild is right next door to the Colosseum. If you go to the Colosseum, you'll see the big sand pit and some NPCs fighting in there. Um, and then there are some doors off... Um, and then that's where the guild is. It actually took me a little bit to find it because it doesn't jump out at you. Like, here's the guild. Holy shit. This is where we breed fighters. I swear that the Coliseum gets bigger when it's time for matches in there. Yeah, where does, where does everybody sit? Maybe this is just the practice ring. Maybe the actual Coliseum is out. Uh, that's where the pre-show is. The, yeah. You can pre-game some, some blood sports before your actual blood sports. But they, all, they have all these like docents and whatever standing around outside and they're pink and white um, like candy striper They're uniforms. like barbers or something. <laughs> yeah. They look like ice cream men. Their, their little outfits are very not at all like they're advertising for blood sport. Sure, but in, in this place, you know, a few deaths in Coliseum is no big deal. It's just part of the daily life. Oh, it's, it's charming. But it is, I've always felt that it was incongruous. The Gladiators Guild hails back from the days of our old friend city, Belladia. In fact, um, back then, swords were just for paladins. Anyone else was forbidden from using these kinds of weapons. However, during the war between Ulda and Sildi, you may recall that the city-states hired mercenaries to support their war efforts. These fighters came from other cultures that did not place the same reverence on bladed weapons as the Belladians did. And so we had a bunch of people from outside coming in with their swords and shields and what have you, and they couldn't police all the fighters they've hired. I have a, uh, I, I have a strongly held belief that swords are only for paladins. So they had to lower their standards to get these mercenaries in here to fight their wars for them. As the Roganen and the Huron mercenaries stayed afterwards, these bladed weapons became more and more part of the culture and they became less attached to paladins. So today we have non-paladins using a sword as being absolutely fine. Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> the guild is run by Mila Swordsong, who is a Highlander Hure. She gives you some tough love at first, testing your will to fight. You've got to step up and say that you have the strength to live by the sword in order and to join the guild. die by the sword. Mila is a lifelong gladiator. She was essentially born into her guild. Her father was the former guild master, and she took up the sword arts about as soon as she could. She was like maybe five or six or so when she started practicing swordsmanship. Yep. The first step for the guild is to go outside with your new weapon and go kill some poor innocent animals. Bees and shrews and... Marmots, I think. Marmots. Yep. All level one. 
They're... No, 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 no. I think the shrews are like level two. Oh, watch out. <laughs> oh, my God. One. You know, they're a little bit farther away from the castle gates. The castle gates. It's not a fucking castle. You have to bear in mind, though, that every class is made for a brand new player because every every class could be your very first time playing the game as a gladiator or as a lancer. So it's like, okay, so here's your ability. You have one or two abilities. Go practice them for a little bit. Yeah. After you're done killing your animals, Mila gives you the rundown on tanking tactics. Right. So for the tank class, our attacks are designed to incite hatred, um, to gain the focus of the of your foe, and protect the man beside you, um, which is what she says. So to defend the man beside you and and not slay the fiend in front of you um, is is the tanking jam. Which is true as a tank. It's a stretch though for the gladiator concept. Honestly, most fights that. We see in the arena that we participate in are one versus one or yourself versus a group of enemies. <laughs> there is, you know, and that's that's funny. There's um, another tanking class that you can unlock at level after level 50. And there, one of the quests was literally like the person that is accompanying you will die if you don't turn that shit on and forcefully like, you know, smack everybody in range and say like, oh, look at me, look at me, look at me. Because otherwise, your your pal's gonna die, and he died like three times because I didn't know what the <laughs> fuck I was doing. Well, we're gonna go and practice our taunting techniques right now, Jen, as we have to go help our friend Mamodi at the quicksand. Aww. We have some marauders out there who are roughing up our customers and just being rude in the streets. I don't, man. If you if you fuck with Mamodi, mommy, you're fucking with me. Jen's gonna fuck you up. Yeah. Uh, so the Marauders are all big Rogadin. You know, they're big, bulky, axe-wielding people. Limsons. Yes. I spit on you. I spit. Not really. That's, <laughs> I spit on rude. these guys because they're horrifying. One of them in particular is horrifying because he's in the midst of basically, uh, like, assaulting a woman. Yeah, it's pretty it, dark, it's, honestly. It's, yeah, like, good This grief. game like, has yeah, a lot yeah, of He's like, he's like um, you know, back off. Maybe she likes him rough. And now you've spoiled the mood. Like, oh my god! One of the, the guy before was just like, "Oh, I'm gonna make fun of this little guy for peeing his pants." Nobody peed his pants. He's just being childish. But then you encounter this guy who's basically all up on yeah, this he's woman. Committing assault. It's... Yeah, you know, <laughs> this is this is an assault in process. Well, we get to, to ward them off using our favorite gesture ever, the slash me gesture, which is when you point at your chest and oh my say, God. <laughs> I'm the big guy. <laughs> I did that first with my my uh, female Rogadin character. And that gesture when you're a Rogadin is much different than when you're an Aura. Um, well, female. So as a, as a Rogadin, it's it's a whole, like, you're, you're pointing forcefully, like, hey, you, you piece of shit. You want, you want some? And then as it, when I did it again with my main character, who is a female Aura, her gestures are so feminine and sweet and coy. And she does this little like hip bop and like fans, fans her decotage with her hand. And she's like, it's me. <laughs> and you're so <laughs> pretty tough. <laughs> like, oh my God. They didn't think this one through. I did not feel intimidating at all. Um, but strangely, it did work. I think this your bravado sells it. It's all about confidence. It's exactly. that projection. <laughs> yeah. So the gesture meant nothing. It was like, hey, hey, big guy, look at me. It was, I laughed. I replayed these quests on my Lala character, and he sticks his chest oh. out and points oh. at his chest. He's oh, like, look so at cute. me. I'm the, the little guy. <laughs> <laughs> With his tiny little hand. Yep. <laughs> his little baby hand. It's 
sausage fingers. Yep. Oh, it works on all these guys except for the leader. His name is Farmerl. Oh, that guy. Yeah. So he. So you've you've dealt with all of his ruffians outside the quicksand. Now you have to go inside to get their boss. This guy is. I don't know. It, I think he's just. He's 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 accosting like a rando, and uh, he's he's not as. Uh, malleable as his pals no he's gonna start a fight with us which oh, you know honestly bring like, on uh, do you know who you're talking to blah, blah, blah. we can we can take him but fortunately or unfortunately someone intervenes a very flashy highlander here steps up oh he's so smug he's got his so red clothing chill. exposed chest yeah lounging in a chair that's got some it's, battle scars but it's such a just trope. tasteful battle scars yeah he's and very dashing he is very dashing. Obviously, a scoundrel with his roguish good looks. Yeah, he's like, I don't take you, to, you know, interrupting my ale drinking over here. Like, stick too cool for school, this guy. And Farmerl is not impressed by him until, until. he sees the Highlander's sword, <gasps> the sword, which is it's like an obsidian blade with some gold runes on it down mm-hmm. the length. Mm-hmm. And it's very jagged. Um, it is a. It is a scary-looking sword, to be fair. And our, our ruffian flips out. He calls the sword Frenzy, and he's like, you're too tough <gasps> for me. Then you must be His name the, is the Blade of Nald. The Blade? No, no, no. The Sword of Nald. Oh, excuse me. I, I also wrote down Blade, and then it was referenced again, and it was Sword. I'm like, I crossed out uh, the sword. Sword of Nald. Nald, as we might recall, is the god of the dead, one of the two twins of life and death and commerce. Don't forget. So he's the Sword of Nald. He's famous, or he was famous. So Farmerl beats feet out of there after he gets scared off by our Highlander's intervention. And our, our Highlander savior casually drops. They used to be a, a gladiator. And then he goes off to go have relations with some woman. Yeah. Which yeah. he's not shy about. Yeah, you know, whatever. He's a, he's a rogue. Well, he he paints his rogue own picture things. in like five seconds. Like a way to sell your personality, bro. Yeah. So something's going on. You don't really know much about him yet. So we check in with Mumuri afterwards, after chasing these guys off, and she lets us know that Mela and Aldous have a history, a complicated history. Sure. And it's better if Mela doesn't know if he's in town. Fine. Okay. We can be discreet. No problem. We follow her advice and head back to Mela. We don't tell her anything about Aldous. We just say the job's done, and that's that. Do-do-do-do-do. What was that? Like level five? Yeah. For level five stuff? Yeah. Okay. And then she sends us back out into the deserts of Thanalan to go take the fight to Far Merle directly. It seems that his band of marauders has been doing more than roughing up tavern goers. They're practicing land piracy, <gasps> aka banditry. <gasps> Gasp. Uh, we solved that problem, no sign of Far Merle, and he disappears entirely from the story. Yep, rip. Rust yeah, yeah, rip, rip from the plot. Rust in peace back in Limsa. Whatever, he's pirating, he's, he's having a great time. Unfortunately. Yeah. So hopefully <laughs> the fact that it. Aldous is around, he's 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 not going to stick. But anyway, we don't care about him. He's gone. We're off to deal with problematic foreigners this time. These are some lance wielders that are presumably from the Black Shroud. They are dusk white lancers. These are a type of Elzen, which are the elf-like characters in this game. They've been killing people. Yeah, so Mila is very concerned, obviously. Bodies are piling up, and she's trying to figure out why this is happening. Um, so I'll go out and figure out who's killing all the dudes and kill the dudes that are killing the dudes. Note here that we've done zero actual gladiatorial work so far. Mm-mm. Come on. 
Like we're we can't get into the the luxury of blood sport when we're still reeling from the calamity and trying to put society back together. Uh, well, we should be because we're gladiators, but unfortunately, we never go to the actual Colosseum. No, nah, we got bigger fish to fry, man. We're just overrun with refugees and bandits, and um, it's it's a real you know New York in the seventies problem. Oh, well, seriously though, this this class does no does not actually follow its name once in the entire class line. Nope. And then we're off to being a paladin afterwards. Right. (laughs) The way things are paced, there are six story segments per class quest. And it's choosing to spin them on sending us off on attacking brigands and beating up thugs and and not actually like practicing these skills that... Wouldn't that have been cool if one of the early quests was... maybe Maybe not early... Maybe as you approach level 30, where you get your, your job stone, um, they put you in the ring with their current champion, maybe, to see how you do. That would be fantastic. Or would, like even yeah. like we could like, fight... Like a, a gladiatorial amateur night. We okay? could fight for a Merle with, in, in the arena instead of like going and fighting people out in Thanalan, too. Yeah. Hey, bro, come at me. Like, let's do this in the arena. All right, see you there at noon on Saturday or whatever. And then... There, is, there were a lot of opportunities. Because I don't know by the time we finish this quest, we are like the best gladiator possible, honestly. Like, that's not. We're the best. We have fought alongside and seen other gladiators being scrubs, and, and we surpassed them, obviously. Mm-hmm. But we never we never go in the pit. It's not a matter of an experience, it's a matter of the fact that this quest is somewhat misguided in terms of. They don't of, even give us the choice. And the things you do, even in this, this quest, they are like you're going out and fighting bandits and you're helping out the guards and so on. It's You're essentially are a knight. It should be called a knight class, like you said beforehand, because you could remove the veneer of gladiator from this class and it'd be exactly the same. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, anyway, so we're heading into Thanaland to check out these murders. Not far outside the city, we run into a gladiator that's being menaced by some spear-wielding Elizin. They've come a long way. And they're here for a reason, which we'll learn about later on. But for now, though, we beat them easily. And uh, the target tells us that his attackers were looking for Aldous. And they Weird. confused him for Aldous because he's also a Highlander here. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot of that going on. Day. People cannot tell them apart. <laughs> All gladiators look the same to these people. I guess so. Ugh, rude. So we follow the trail into the desert further. And Mela gives us a gladiator companion that can also heal. This is time for us to learn about keeping aggro. Yep. For real this Here time. Here it is. Yeah, exactly. You gotta, you gotta, like, make sure you keep the attention of everybody. Otherwise, they're gonna overwhelm our pal Bruce here. Bruce the Big. <laughs> Bruce the Big. And, uh, that's my new name, by the way. And he won't be able to heal you if you don't, um, handle your shit. So we follow the train tracks into a tunnel and run into our first solo instance. These are duties in which we can't interact with other players. We're here all by ourselves and with NPC friends and foes. And they're used to set up a certain type of challenge or tell a specific enclosed story. So, you know, we're, we're in a, a, a train tunnel and we have these um, marauding dusk whites coming in with their spears. A little, a little band of three will, will uh, spawn in. You'll go and, and deal with them. And then at the other side of the tracks, three more will spawn in. So you just kind of go back and forth killing dudes. Um, until you're done killing dudes. It's, it's like a glorified fate. And, and the leader shows up eventually, and we beat him up. No problem as well. No problem. We report back to Mila that we took care of the murdering foreigners. The the, <laughs> the Lansing. The, the Lansing uh, no, it's just the Lancers. The Dusk White Lancers. Just the Lancers, right. To, yeah. There's a, a weird pacing issue with these class quests where they, they have six segments to fill, and some of the stories that are told through them don't have six segments worth of content to them. 
So you get these weird intermediate levels where it's like, okay, so go and fight some guys, come back in, then you yeah. come back in five levels and you're you're back to the plot. You know, we've been hired here by the Brass Blades and the army, the Immortal Flames, to do some work, which at least tells you that the guild gets hired out to do some guard duty too. Sure. After we get back, though, from that, that errand, just going out to go protect some merchants out in... Yeah, near High Bridge. Yep. These aren't Amalja, right? No, they, they, are. they are. They are, yeah. So this is this is now classic Old Oz Society versus the Beastmen, um, that they have pushed to the outskirts of their lands, and now they're resorting to, to thievery. And so, yes, this is a classic merchant on, the, on a trade route getting interrupted yep. and now we have to clean up the mess we head back to the guild afterwards and we find that aldous has dropped in directly and Mila is pissed off oh she's so mad to see his face like momodi was like i eh, don't mention it but no no actually she's really pissed off yeah he apparently disappeared seven years ago and was presumed dead oh wait he's back now jk you mother how you doing let's you go just, on a date you waltz back in here with your fancy little shirt and your little haircut and your sword and you think everything's fine. Oh, she's so mad. Like, clearly these guys, was their history romantic? Yes. Were they childhood friends? It, it was, I still didn't want to make assumptions. Like, it you know, it's the biggest trope romantic. that they, they used to, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no doubt. <laughs> it's, yeah, I, I try to hold out hope that maybe it was something a little bit nope. more nuanced, but no, it's not. It's fine. Well, there's complexity there, but it is absolutely romantic. Mm-hmm. There's no question. <laughs> so Aldous gets kicked out of the guild, but he tells us to go meet him for a drink at the quicksand. But when we get there, we have the ominous glow of another solo duty Uh-oh. right there, which tells us that shit's going to go down. Here and we go. down the shit does go. <laughs> I loved Momodi's reaction to this. So you, you enter the duty, whatever. You know that people are going to show up and, and, and cause problems, which they do. Um, it's another, it's another band of, I don't think they're Lancers, but this, they all have like a uniform now. Like this is an official group of people. It's who the have purple robes. The purple robes. We don't know what their name is yet. Um, so they walk in, they form a row, like a band of archers and they're like, all this, you piece of shit. Um, and so all, you know, all of the other patrons, they go running, leaping behind counters, chairs, etc. And Mamodi literally is like rolling her eyes and ducks behind her counter, like whatever, just another day in the life, which I thought was fantastic. Before we get down to it, though, Aldous tells us a bit more about his backstory over our drink before the thugs show up. He tells us about his sword frenzy, and he, he says it was forged alongside a twin blade. Mm-hmm. So there are two swords like this out there. Oh, it's and like the phoenix feather. Its twin was wielded by another gladiator. Indeed. We also find out that the smith Geralt forged these weapons, hey. which we know nothing about as first-time players, but from our experience, we know that Geralt is actually a, a hugely reputable or maybe disreputable smith. Disreputable, he has problems. However, he is, you know, um, the premier weapon smith. Yeah, at least in Eorzea he is. Right. If, he, he's, which, not, if he's not drinking... Maybe. Well, maybe he... Yeah, anyway. And it's it's nice to see that name dropped here. It's like, oh yeah, I know that guy. Back to the action. These purple-robed thugs roll in here. We got a bunch of archers. or some pugilists too, I believe. Mm-hmm. And you and Aldous team up in here to, to go beat them back. Yeah. You know, I think it's actually pretty cool here, though, especially as a first-time player, because I played um, as a gladiator my very first time through. They turn this previously safe space where you can't get into fights into a danger area with this solo instance here. Yeah, so it this kind of, is, yeah, as a new player, this is your safe space. 
So, I mean, it's nothing too novel compared to where the game goes in the future. But, I mean, still, it's pretty cool to see this twisted on his head. It's like, yeah, now I'm fighting in this bar that normally is, like, all safe and cool. And this is where I go to hang out with Momodi. Climbing on the tables and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. So after we beat them back, Aldous clears out and we head back to the guild. He's playing it very cool throughout the entire time. He's very cagey with his information. I feel very confident when he's around. I feel safe. I feel safe when Aldous is around. I know he can handle some shenanigans. I feel like shit's going to go down in two minutes when he shows up. Probably also true, but again, he can handle it. So when we get back to the guild, we learn that shield lob move uh, from Mila. This is the first ability that's kind of magic-like for our otherwise melee class. We throw our shield at distant enemies and it comes flying back to us in a couple seconds. Presumably this is us manipulating Aether. And as we level up more, we get lots more showy abilities that are definitely, you know, beyond the realm of pure physical ability. It, it comes into Aether Manipulation, which you might recall is an ability that all Aorzeans have. Mm-hmm. We amplify our, our sword skills and our, our martial abilities with not magic, but the same tools that magic has, essentially. Right. Including this shield lob. The shield lob is one of your highest enmity gaining abilities. So it's a great way to get... Yeah, it's, it starts the... Uh... The enmity tick. Yep, exactly. And when you are stuck inside a pack, if another mob comes rolling up outside of your melee range, you can shield lob over and pull him into the pack instead of having them go rogue on one of your other teammates. Yep, that's the pro Which is against tip. the gladiator code. <laughs> Absolutely. So Mila isn't too, acting too concerned about all this, but she probably is. She's just keeping it. it She's a professional. She is the guild master after all. She, she is forced for sword. However, she tells us to go track down an injured gladiator in the deserts of Thanalan. This guy called in help through a link pearl. These are essentially magical communication devices that go in one's ear. I forget that we have it, but every once in a great while, suddenly we're just like, boop, boop, talking to somebody else with a link pearl. Well, presumably anytime you talk to your free company or to any link shells you have, it's the same thing. You're using it all the time in the game, I'm assuming, through the in-game communication tools. Yeah, so and this is just, these are, you know, you send out your, your gladiator guys into the world. They all have walkie-talkies on them in their ears. Yep. Link Pearl. As do most people. It's true. I, these I guess these you, kids you... today and their Link <laughs> Pearls and their Snapchats. I'm sure you'd get used to it being in there after enough time. Either way, though, it kind of makes me squeamish thinking about like a little pearl going in your ear canal or something. It's, it's, it's probably some sort of, yeah, like an, like an implant. And you, I don't know if, uh, it's you know, like an earring, essentially. It, it pops in and out. Weird. <laughs> gross. Very and gross. See, that's where I'm coming from. It's gross. <laughs> it's, it's normal here, but also it feels gross to me. Let's just stick my pearl on in my ear. Well, you take it out before you go to bed, and you put it in a glass of solution, and then in the morning you, you pop it back. There in. we go. It's so it's like a contact. Clean as a whistle. Perfect. Dentures for your ear. Nice. <laughs> um, we give our gladiator a healing potion, and um, we question some witnesses nearby. Was it something nefarious? <gasps> it it or did was. Did he fall on skin his knee? It seems he's been targeted by some more purple-robed marauders here. What is up here. with these guys? Uh, they are very bad at IDing their target. They're all hunting for Aldous, but... Did they, did they mistake this guy for Aldous again? Yeah. I mean, that's why they're here. They're here to, to find Aldous, okay, and there that's, are... that's ridiculous. Every single gladiator that's being targeted here is a, a mistaken identity I thought Aldous. it was just like, hey, we're going to um, target people in your in your organization until you hand Aldous over or no 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 she thought it was maybe a tactic to like draw us out into the open and uh, have a, a larger engagement 
So the, I, I assumed immediately that this was going to be some fucking trap. But we find out, though, you know, we question the witnesses, and one of them says they overheard the attacker talking on his own link pearl Ooh. to someone, and he said the words mistaken identity uh-huh. and silver, silver bazaar. So everyone can't tell this roguish, handsome guy from some chunky-ass armor-wearing gladiator for some sad. reason. Sad. I it's mean, pretty sad. Obviously, the leader of this organization doesn't know how to screen his applicants. Uh, clearly. We also search the crime scene, too, and find a scorpion-shaped ring. We're off to see Wyman now to question him about this um, this ring. Wyman. Wyman, our, our good know-it-all friend the, that hangs uh, out. Yeah, the um, unofficial mayor of Uldah who knows all the things about all the things. He does, and he knows about this ring, too. He tells us that it comes from a criminal organization called the Alacran. He says they're in bed with both the Brass Blades and the Syndicate, and that this is above his pay grade, and he says, peace out, I'm, I'm not touching this. And that's fair. So we have this lead, though, to the Silver Bazaar, which is where this assailant was communicating about with mm-hmm. his master. Outskirts of Western Thanalan. Yeah, it's like a trading port, essentially. It's mm-hmm. down on its luck, but it's still out there. So Milla says, let's go roll out there and go take care of these guys ourselves. Aldous shows up and he's like, you know, this is my fight, not yours. And Mila says, fuck you. Yeah. So she's she's now a little bit too emotionally invested because Aldous is involved and she's got unfinished business with this guy. Also, these guys keep on beating up gladiators. So, <laughs> right, of, to find of course, Aldous. however, but Aldous has to be the one to step in and tell her you can't just send in your pupils your charges willy-nilly into a situation that has now become extremely dangerous. We don't know what you're dealing with. You don't know what you're dealing with. I barely know. But at this point, she's just, she's so far gone. Um, she, you know, like, we're doing it. I don't, I, you know, fuck you, all this, we're doing it. So she's she's being kind of contrarian because her emotions are just too involved. I'm with Mila here. I think that Aldous's daddy's got it covered attitude is, is not appropriate. But at the same time, he's... I think there's wisdom in what he says, and like you know, don't send a brand new student, which is you. Oh, um, he's saying don't send your students, but also I'm going to go alone. Both of them have valid points. They Here we go. Got issues. Long story short, we go to the Silver Bazaar. We head out to the Silver Bazaar in Western Thailand and get into a huge fight. Now, it's, it's a big us. fight. Actually, it's it's pretty. It's the scariest fight so far. Where I was like, ooh, ooh, I'm going to have to pop some mitigation here for the first time. <laughs> yeah, we, we got <laughs> Mila, we've got some gladiators, and we've got ourselves against 20 or more alacrin. Oh, like, they, yeah, they've got they've got archers, uh, they've got dancers, they've got mages, uh, they have everybody. They have healers, too. Mm-hmm. And the game actually tells us about how to prioritize like healing enemies, for instance, first. Exactly. And the squishier but more damage-dealing casters. Mila yells at us during the battle. Yeah, get that caster. Yeah, yeah, or like you know, stop the healers. Yep. Uh, so See, and it's great as a new player. Like you don't, you don't know. It, of course, it makes sense. Okay, so you're wailing on this pugilist, but his health bar is really going down because he's being healed by the, some some asshole twenty yards away. We beat down these hordes of alacrins, but then their elite team shows up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they're led by a gray-haired here with a menacing tattoo on his right cheek. Miller recognizes him instantly. And we have some overenthusiastic gladiators that rush him, like, we got a boss. And then you know, we have this badass, like, pugilist Mikote cat girl who flips out of nowhere and yeah, punches them. Yeah, she, in the she flips out of a tree on top of them and, and smashes one with, a, like, a steel. I don't what, do, what it, do you It's like a bladed cestus, is what okay, she has there, on yep. her, her hand. Yep. And she kicks them both into the ground. 
And, and then they're like, peace out. Mela and the gladiators are like, all right, we got wounded. We got to take care of our guys before we go chase them down. So the elite alacrins part ways with you and you head back to the guild to look your wounds. So now we have a face. We have a name. After we get back to the guild, we get some backstory from Mela. And she tells us that this is Aldous's partner. And you can infer heavily that he has the, the twin of frenzy because he's Aldous's partner. Yes. But she, I don't think she actually says it. No, no, no. Um, but it's just like seven years ago, whenever the the thing, quote unquote, happened, they were thick as these prior to that event. And they rose to fame together. Right. So now you have to figure out, all right, why the split? And this guy's name is Levold. And apparently he brought the Alacrins, who used to be small time thugs, into a prominent criminal band that they are today. A previously yeah. just uh, ragtag band, Bandits. But now they are a very respected criminal organization. The reason that Aldous is here now is he learned that Levald had um, actually taken the lead of this band of criminals. And he's here back in Uldah to deal with Levald personally. Yeah, because they feel- know they, they have bad blood. He's, he's got his unfinished business, quote unquote. We didn't know what that was, but, yep. but now we do. And then we get a note from the receptionist to the Gladiators Guild that Aldous is out in eastern Thanalan and wants to talk to us one-on-one mm-hmm. without Mila knowing. Okay. So we head out there, and we find him over the grave of Mila's father. And he starts to reminisce when Zana, who's the pugilist that trounced the gladiators previously, uh, she shows up here. And he's like, all right, I'm going to watch you fight. I don't feel like fighting. And we can beat up um, up Zana pretty easily ourselves. So he's taking this as a teaching moment. Like, hey. But also, you know, we already know that he has a lot of faith in us and our abilities just because he asked for this meeting in the first place. It's true. Um, come out. I want to. I want to share some of this backstory with you because you're going to be involved from here on out. This is this is part of your story now. And we take Sana out while Aldous is in the background, giving us both taunts and advice. And yeah, like watch her moves, blah blah blah. And I'm wondering how Zana is feeling about this. Like, um, I'm not a striking dummy, you piece of shit. She may as well be. <laughs> I, right. But I mean, it's it's so she's the she you know she's henchman number one, and this might be like the fastest here to zero in this game. I know, right? Like, she, she comes out swinging, and she seems very intimidating. She's one of those, like, ride-or-die sort of henchmen, yep. like um, Livia Sasjunius, where it's just, you know, logic is all... She is, she's devoted her mind, body, and soul to this man. And so that's intimidating, right? Because there's not a lot of Sundra going on. Um, there's no, there's going to be no arc. So this person is going to die fighting for their master, I guess. So it, it turns out that Aldous has been testing us to see if we're good enough to stand with Mila because mm-hmm. he's, he's going to peace out again after he's done dealing with his business. Yeah, but he, it's, he, he did find it important for, to tell us that Mila's father died suddenly and she had to take over the guild in his place yep. before she was maybe mentally prepared for it. I mean, it's kind of presumptuous, though, of him to actually like be like, okay, so you're going to be my replacement in the guild. You're going to be the number two. And I'm like... I, I got places to be. I'm going to be here for five more levels and I'm out. Oh, come on. <laughs> come on. Get a little bit more immersive than no, that. I, you know, I'm this serious, is like, though. You like, know, fuck the fourth wall. You no, know, you have the MSQ going on here and we're not going to spoil it now, obviously, but there is some heavy stuff going on in the main story and we're not going to hang out and, and pal around the Gladiators Guild and taught the newbies. Still, I think, and this, this is, again, this is Jen speaking, Carrying that the weight of that experience forward in the MSQ, you know, with, with, with all of its own trials and tribulations, which are enormous, it still gives you like this this attachment to the like the city and the people in it, 
and it, it you you carry that with you. I do have affection for these people, but again, expectation that you know we're gonna be Mila's number two and look out for her and so on. Like all this things we're gonna be is severely misplaced. But it's still, I mean, like you 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 have this you have this this uh, this investment in in the city and its people, and that's like the whole reason you're fighting the good fight. So just you know, pile it on. All of these, all of these tangential relationships uh, that are involved, they they are with you now. And and the extreme late game, these faces will literally come flying at you. I mean, that's all fair. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, when we return to Mila, she lets us know now that Aldous has been arrested by the Brass Blades for plotting to kill the Sultana. Oh well, obviously that's bullshit. Kind of out of nowhere, you know, like oh yeah. Well, no, these are these are some drummed up fucking bullshit charges. Okay, now also, we got to figure it out. The orchestrators of his downfall here, they they kind of went like for the top, you know. It, they're, out of all the crimes possible, it's just like, you know, retrocide. They go straight to the, yeah, assassination. Sure. Of the Sultana, no of less. Of the Sultana. <laughs> not just anyone. Yeah, not like the the head of the uh, Brass Blades or the Immortal Flames or Wymond. <laughs> so we all know the Alacrins have um, implemented this scheme here to get him set up, but we don't have any proof about it. Frankly, I, I think that it, it looks pretty bad for him. Frankly. It looks pretty bad for him. And I think that we could have skipped this next segment by doing a reality check and saying, hey, you know, this is obviously a, a plot. And the Brass Blades, like the effective city guard, are paid by the rich. So we have no no hope of trying to get him off with facts and logic. But either way, though, we try that approach first. So I think what we were trying to do is, I mean, obviously, so now our task is to go find evidence of his innocence. Yep. And we're going to present that to the people who are presenting over his execution, who are probably removed from the whole bribery you know the the syndicate brass blades. I think corruption that is bullshit. very idealistic of you. Well, I you know I, you know this. So there's like a priest that's overseeing the execution. Then you have the executioner himself, and, and I'm we know sure that the order of Nalthal takes indulgences. Ah. And the executioner, I'm sure he would look the other way or cut off an extra head for a thousand gil. Um. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think it's still fair to say that perhaps these people aren't. Um. They're not in the. Uh, they're not made men. You know. This might be the ethically correct way to go about it, but I, well, I think that the know. outcome we don't know. is predictable. And we won't know, but that's just that was just my speculation. We won't know for five <laughs> minutes. <laughs> right. So we go see Wymond, and he clues in on uh, why Aldous got expelled from the guild in the first place. It seems like he was fixing matches. It gets a bit hairy since his former guild master, Mila's father, also died around the same time as well. Wyman speculates he may have killed himself out of shame for the guild yeah, a- so and the disrepute that Aldous brought upon the guild. Yeah, so Aldous and Leivold were, there was there was a scandal, a tremendous scandal. And soon after that, Mila's father dies. And so the, they attribute the death to Aldous as well for some reason, you know, pile it on. So obviously he is um, persona non grata and has to flee. Yep. But it's still... Not a lot of detail. Right. It's all rumor, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, Wyman also tells us that the poison that Aldous was supposedly using to kill the Sultana, Ralgar's bile, is also used by the Corpse Brigade. So we head out to their headquarters in Thanalan. Ralgar, of course, is one of the 12. He's the god of destruction. Mm-hmm. Well, He's the patron deity of, of uh, the of, Alamegans. Of the, of the monks, rather. The monks of Alamigo? Yes. Oh, right. Yeah. Because, yeah. More on that in the monk segment. Hey! (laughs) 
We'll also talk more about the Corpse Brigade as well when we get to them in the main story quest. However, you know, we gotta understand who we're up against here. They were former soldiers in the Alamegan army. Alamigo is a kingdom to the, um, is it to the east, I think? East. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to the east. It's also in uh, the desert as well. Girabania. Yes. They served under the tyrannical king Theodoric. When the king fell, the Corpse Brigade fled to avoid retribution from Alamegans. And they're now headquartered in southern Thanalan, and they operate as criminals and thieves. Seems to be the thing to do. They're essentially deserters, or, or effectively so. You know, they they enforced a, a terrible rule, and then they got their comeuppance, so they can't obviously go home. Because yeah, no, they're 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 assholes. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And obviously, I mean, if you're found with Ralgar's bile, it's like, well, obviously, you got this from the Corpse Brigade. I mean, all of this looks terrible for Aldous. I, there's no like coming back from this. How do you? How do you prove that he, somebody planted this crap on him? Well, we bust into their hideout, which essentially is like tunnels inside a, a big rocky... Yeah, caves. Um, yeah, it's yep. like a big rock formation. <laughs> After beating up some corpse brigadiers and a Lochrens, uh, we find a bill of sale for the poison. How convenient. They, they keep a file cabinet full of receipts. Yes, for, for their criminal the, trade. Uh, yeah. yeah. A little bit irony, but... It's, it's where, <laughs> you know, when they do their tax returns, they sure. got to have that on record. For the taxes they don't pay. And, you know, and also making sure they keep track of inventory. Now that we've got our paper trail here, we race back <laughs> to the execution <laughs> site hilarious. in eastern Thailand. Literally. We're going to run up and sh- shove the receipt in their face. Look! Well, we do. Proof. <laughs> we, yeah. He didn't, he didn't buy it. Somebody else did. This is all a sham. It doesn't matter. And the execution takes place in the city, of, or it's more of a town, in the town of Highbridge, which is a, a settlement that's up against the upper side of a massive canyon. So it, it is built on the top of and overhangs this canyon that disappears into the misty depths down below. It's so deep. And the execution takes place on this gangplank, essentially, that juts out over the chasm. I'm, I'm assuming this is for maybe airship deliveries or something similar. It looks like it's like a, a dock for a ship, but it's over empty space. That's probably likely, yes. But also a convenient place to shove people off into the abyss. It's a convenient place to do executions and probably a safety just, hazard. Yeah, you know, there's a pile of heads down at the bottom, which you can't see. You know, I'm guessing because there's no gate, there's no safety measures. There's a lot of like children that wander there, off there There are walkways well. everywhere in this game without railings. You're like, yeah. I guess, yeah, like Costa del Sol. What a hell, it's a hellish landscape of liability there. This is an uh, OSHA nightmare over oh, here. Oh, God. Yeah, it makes me nervous every time. Like, I can't just get a railing. We find Aldous on this gangplank that hangs out over the abyss. Priest is there. The executioner is there. It's going to happen. He's handcuffed. He's on the ground. Yeah, we're like, hey, guys, we've got this evidence. And they're like, nope, we're just going to kill this like, guy. He has been found guilty in front of God and man. And this shall, like, okay, whatever. Yeah, the best intentions. However, Mila has gotten a clue since she sent us out to go find evidence. And she comes here directly alongside her gladiator cohorts. Well, we, don't, we don't know. So we are, we are on this deck, jutting out into the middle of space with the executioner, the priest, and Aldous. And we are, we are moments away. The executioner has been given the go-ahead to cut Aldous's head off. There's nothing you can do except, you know, start fighting. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, a spinning blade comes out of the air and lands inches away from Aldous. This is a professional fucking shot. So all he has to do is lean over and cut his bindings on the sword, and it's it's frenzy. It's his sword. And we look up, and who is it? Mila. And our gladiator buddies here to save the day. Dun-da-da-da! 
And Aldous cuts his bindings, stands up, and he's like, all right, let's get this fucking show on the road. And, and the priest and the executioner run away. Oh, no. Um, so now it's just us and the Alacrans. Yeah, because the Alacrans, they also do not trust things to go smoothly, just like the gladiators did. They're crawling all over this. this <laughs> so bridge. as soon as the, the priest and executioner run away, we have Leifald and the Alacrans here um, who, who show up to make sure that things go smoothly and that Aldous dies. This is a pretty this, big fight. It is. It's very dramatic, actually. It's a very cool finale to the Gladiator quest series. I thought so, too. It's it's expansive. You're running over a lot of territory. You're going upstairs. Um, yeah, so, you're, you've got, again, like a, a mass of uh, alacrans and a variety. We got, we got casters. Aldous goes up to go fight Leval directly, and we're left here to battle our way up these like twisting walkways up to the top where the rest of the Gladiators are to go give them our support. And along the way, we meet like the elite caster from the Alacrans, and we have to do a one-on-one fight with him. He was very beefy. And Mila's like, take care of that mage. And you sit there and wail on him for quite some time. I mean, pop your mitigation, do all the things. And then we rejoin Mila and the gladiators. And this is actually, this could be pretty dangerous here. If you get too aggressive and take on too many at once, um, they are more than you can handle. You need to make sure that you're letting the gladiators fight some of them as well, and you, you pick your battles. Yeah, Otherwise you're, you're you'll gonna be run. We're gonna run past some groups who are fighting. And when I first did it, I'm like, I'm the tank. I'm gonna, you know, get these guys on myself. Here you go, bros. I'm gonna to grab these guys, but it is way too much damage for you to handle. And that's even part of the lesson. Mitigation. Pick your battles. Absolutely. Be smart with your abilities, and you know, trust in your allies to handle their own shit. You cannot handle it as one man. Once we deal with the immediate threat, we see Aldus and Levald fighting on a nearby platform. Mm. Aldous disarms Levald, but rather than surrender, Levald just falls over backwards into the abyss. You were the chosen one. He actually says that Aldous will never know peace in this life or the next. Oh, he's mad. He's so mad. Uh, with the battle won, we return to the guild to find Aldous saying his goodbyes to Mila. He is still disgraced and he, um, he's still wanted. He's entirely unsympathetic to Mila's requests and, and pleas for him to stay with the guild. Yeah. And with hers, the unspoken but heavily implied <laughs> message it, it, there. It, yes. And he's, you know, I, I can't. You know, it's just because Leavold is gone doesn't mean that the Alacrans are. And I'm still a wanted man, according to them. And then he turns to you. And he wants to clear the air about what happened seven years ago. Right. During the fight with Leavold, there are some hints dropped during their, their battle dialogue about how Aldous actually had refused to fight. Uh, refused to fix the fight, and it upended some gambling arrangement. Mm-hmm. And he spills the beans on that now, uh, telling us that actually he and Levald were offered a huge amount, a huge price, to fix a single match. Aldous wouldn't do it, uh, which makes Levald the actual cheater here. Yeah, up to this, till this point, you assume that Aldous is the one who attempted to fix the fight. And so here's the thing. I, I'm not clear on if Aldous and Levald cheated on earlier matches, and this was too far. Because when um, Wyman was talking about it, he, he I got the impression from his dialogue that he was talking about the cheating in, in the plural. So hmm. it's, it's, it was my takeaway that they were doing some match fixing beforehand, but this might have been like a, a special match, like a prize match or, or whatever. And Aldous was like, no, I'm going to do this straight. And Leavold was like, take the money, bro. Yeah. But so, I don't know yeah, for he, sure. It, it could have been he'd, been he'd be the honest person and Levald was the cheater, or it might be that Aldous did the right thing in the end and it cost him. To me, I think that the thought that, you know, he did get dirty, but 
he did he did right in the end is a better story than like he was like the honorable one who was done dirty by you know by his reputation or it also could have been and we don't know so we're only speculating here uh, is that because um, in the in the end it seemed that Aldous and of course seven years is a long time for somebody to kind of change their outlook so so maybe he did engage in some in some small fixing and then he realized with this with this the big time uh, the bad money whatever it was um, a change a turning point for him then I don't know it, for me I think that they had become so famous that eventually they were approached. Because it's, I think it's harder to um, to fix a match and make big money when there's already are already rumors floating about that these fighters are compromised in that way. And so, if you're trying to make big money off of fixing a fight, you have to go in with like fresh, innocent players. So my opinion is that Aldous, there was this one opportunity to fix a fight and make a ton of money, retire. Um, live a life of luxury. He refused. Levil got pissed as fuck. Held this grudge ever since, because they were both disgraced in in the aftermath of this. And and Aldous just stuck true to his morals. And maybe that was when he found out that Levold isn't such a great guy. What also isn't clear is what happened to Mila's father. You know, we never get the answer as to if he killed himself. If he was if he was killed for being tied to this match fixing debacle or something else happened. So that's still a mystery at this point. After Aldous clears out, Mila takes out her frustration on the gladiators and yells at them to get to shape up and that there's work to be done. But at the same time, it's also inspirational. She's like, you know, it's, it is now, um, it's on each and every one of you to fulfill your destiny. Your, your, your destiny is in your hands. So while, yeah, she's like, well, my life isn't a spectacle, get back to training, or we train here. Eh. But she also turns it around and, and makes it like, just remember why you're here. That's true. She turns the anger and makes it into something productive she's and inspiring. However, uh, our destiny is elsewhere, as that's it for the Gladiator Quest series. Yep. But, but yeah, I thought that, that wrapped up pretty nicely obviously i think it would have been cool if aldous stayed in some capacity but you know you can't have everything you want i, I don't think he seems like a toxic lover for mela honestly <laughs> i i don't think that because he doesn't care about their relationship at all um well, I, he does that's why he bails he, he is dismissive and callous about her obvious affection i don't and i don't think that at all I think he recognizes that there are feelings, and he, he probably has strong feelings of his own because it's not like it was his choice to leave. And, you know, he's he's got to keep a stiff upper lip for her benefit, but also lay out very rationally why it is that he cannot stay, which is a very good reason. It may be true, but I think he is disrespectful to Mela in terms of the way he treats her and when she expresses her affection and care for him. Well, only because, you know, we're not getting an animated sequence of them, like, hugging and, and making up and having, like, a reunion of some kind. You know, there's there's all this other drama going on. So we don't we don't get that. We have to surmise. So it's interesting that in the gaps, you've filled it with he is callous and uncaring and disrespectful. Uh, and I've filled in way. the gaps. I've filled in the gaps with he's having to do what he has to do. And so he's, you know, trying to rein in his own emotions and make the best decision for himself and for Mila without becoming a sobbing mess. 
I think one can acknowledge another person's feelings respectfully and not become a solving mess. There's a middle ground here. I think it's in character for him, but it does not make him less of an asshole, in my opinion, for his, get, his callousness towards vibes. her. I mean, oh, sure, he, he throws out some things like, you know, I'll, I'll find a bunch of beauties elsewhere. But again, that could just be, you know, that, that hurt, that's, that's his hurt talking. So what do you think, Jen, about the story overall? Do you like it? I really like the story. I, I haven't done a ton of job intro quests yet, um, so I have not a lot to compare it to. However, I was like fully invested in all of these people. I thought their backstories were pretty rich and interesting, and I wanted to know. I wanted to know. I wanted to figure it out. Like, who's got the other sword? What did he do seven years ago? What the fuck? Are they fucking? Like, what's what's going on? I thought it, I thought it was great. And I thought it was also a, a great introduction to... To tanking. I was like, finally, finally, like, I get it. So in terms of it being a standalone story, I like it. I think that it's got a lot of action. It's got some setup. Also, you're a gladiator. We're not going to introduce any gladiator type stuff. And I am just looking at my notes here. So one of the things when you first join the guild and Mela is like, it's like, if you desire true glory to fight and triumph amidst the roar of 10,000 voices then this is where you belong, adventurer. You don't get any of that. They call you, that you, false advertising. You don't even get five voices, let alone 10,000. <laughs> I don't know where these people are going to sit either, anyway. Honestly, I, I think that if I were to do something with this, I would just this should be a gold quest, as in a, a side quest, that maybe unlocks after doing like the, the gladiator class quest or whatever, because this isn't about being a gladiator. This has tangential importance to the class that you're playing. In the, the later class quests we'll see, they are actually are, are classes where the quest series is about being that person and being in that role in that society. This one is not. This is about two people and their history and the complications that arose due to past events, which is a fun story, but it's a big waste of opportunity for being the only chance to actually be a gladiator in this game. I know. Like, there are other points in time where you get to engage with the Colosseum, it's not like that's a dead location. It's just that this is the only time when you actually play a literal gladiator <laughs> and you do zero and it'll gladiating. Let you in. I know. It, it, it's such a huge shame. And it'd be the perfect time as well to train you on these things too. Like, you know, give yourself like a warm up match. Like, do like the pre show in the Coliseum against I know. some other scrub. It'd be so, so much like fun local color as well. Like, this is, this is what Uldans do for fun. Yeah. Which you don't really get. Uh, you don't get a lot of that. You get a lot of, you know, just just the daily humdrum dealings of whatever. But to, to see how they live it up would have been just a very welcome color. And I think you could also interweave this story as well with more actual like arena combat if you wanted Definitely. to. You don't have to go in the desert to go fight scrubs every five levels. You could actually have there be like matches and then the drama happens like while you're in the match, you know, like instead of like you going out to go kill some lizards in the desert, yeah. you could go fight a match and then, oh wait, all just got, kid- or got arrested. It could also be that you go in after you've gotten some levels and to uh, train some of the, the younger gladiators, gladiator hopefuls. Like, all right, you know, give them, give them the old what, for whatever to to hone their own training or maybe they have a one of their famous uh, performers slash gladiators who is a mega diva and you got to knock him down a couple of pegs you know so there's like a character arc waiting to happen there it's just a shame that this very iconic part of ulda doesn't actually get experienced by the class that's meant to experience it yeah it's weird but 
as a story, I like it a lot. I just don't like where they chose to put it. Sure. Well, thank you, everyone. We'll be back next week where we'll find out who the Sultan Sworn are looking for in the deserts of Thanaland. <gasps> Spicy. I mean, thanks for hanging in. And uh, we're just we're just getting started here. And we're looking forward to a lot more Final Fantasy XIV content. Uh, we're not at a loss there, to be fair. Um, but if you like us, uh, subscribe. Help us get the word out to your friends and your FC mates. And we'll catch you next week.